0: Thank you, George. Good evening. Put my blinders on so I can't see you guys. My name is Bill, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who's in recovery for compulsive overeating of sugar, anger, and being an adult child of a dysfunctional family. Uh, I've been celebrating sobriety for gambling and lying for four years, 11 months, and 10 days. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just calm my nerves. I could do this. uh, It's your story about my life. I just want to say thank you, Father, uh, for allowing me to share my testimony, maybe helping other people out here tonight, Father God, and the people online watching. So I just want to say thank you, and I pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Okay. So I was born in San Clara, California, in 1965, and this is my story. My family was middle class, and I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother and a sister. I had a crazy childhood with a dysfunctional family, really dysfunctional. My father was an alcoholic, and my mom was a homemaker. My mom held the family together when dad was off on his drinking spats. Dad, now on the other hand, he was a genius, very smart. His IQ was off the charts. Um, But he had a problem with anger and drinking. So I endured physical and emotional abuse from my dad throughout my childhood and teen years. It was normal to have a lot of verbal abuse from my dad in our house. I would try and please him the best I could by keeping my room clean, doing the yard work, so this way, I thought, would not set him off. He would instill fear into me throughout with his verbal abuse and his fits of rage. I could never please him, I thought, and I was told at a very young age I would be worthless, would never be good in life. That's the way it seemed to me. He would go into rages, get very abusive, verbally, um, most of the time. Only a couple of times physically that I can remember at a young age. He even set our toys on fire once. The reason for this, me and my sibling got into the Easter eggs two days prior to Easter. Me and my sibling, my brother, decided to play war with our G.I. Joe figurines and Batman dolls and stuff like that. And we used the eggs as uh, hand grenades. <laughs> <laughs> our closet was very long. It used to be an old porch on a 1946 house, so they turned into a bedroom, so we had a real long closet in there too. So my sibling was on one end and I was on the other. Our, our parents heard all the noise and found us covered in eggs, as well as our clothes and our toys. Did I mention the eggs weren't boiled yet? (laughs) So you can not imagine the mess we created for our parents, I thought. My father said, clean this up or else. The rage I had received that night scared the six-year-old I was. I began to clean up the mess, but my sibling, on the other hand, who was 13 months younger than me, was very stubborn and refused to help. this is how our toys got set on fire one by one. My father collected them all, went out back and burned them in a the big old fire pit. I felt betrayed by my father, someone I should have been able to trust. So at a very young age, I learned that people who were supposed to love and care for you will hurt you. I began to live in fear and began to hide my emotions from others by stuffing my feelings inside inside and sneaking sweets, which was easy in my house since my mom bulk shopped and stored everything in a chest freezer in the garage. Whenever I began to get emotional, I would turn to eating sweets. Growing up, I didn't have any friends, and in junior high, I met a couple kids who would later break my heart and talk about me behind my back. He became very lonely, depressed, and was hurting inside from the rejection at school and the abuse I was getting at home. My father told us kids his dad was never around and when he became a father, he didn't want us kids not to have a father around. He did the best that he could. At first, my childhood was good. He took us to church, fishing, camping. Life was good when when he wasn't drinking. But not before long, my life would turn upside down with the anger and rages from his drinking. I thought, this is how every family lives in America. That's what I thought. When I was 12, my father took us to church where his friends went. At the time, my parents were looking for a place to live, and my father's friends had a place for us to stay. It was crazy. It turned out to be a religious hippie commune in Morgan Hill, California. We lasted three months there. Then my father moved us to Oregon to start a new, better life. But after six months, my new life started looking like our old life back in California. The drinking, the verbal abuse, the rage, the whippings I endured as a a 12-and-a-half-year-old. He would tell me to pick a switch off the willow tree out in the front and it better not break or I'll have to go out and get another one. So eventually, mom moved us back to California where she got a job at a bowling alley and we lived there for six and a half months in the nursery at nighttime and then daytime. We were just whatever we could find to stay. Then, mom and dad made up and they moved back together. In 1978, I started going to a Baptist church and I turned my life over to God. Eventually, I got baptized when I was just turned 13. (laughs) A few years went on and eventually I would be off doing my own thing and not living for God, but still attending church and functions to make others think all is good. In high school, lying became a new tool of choice. I was bullied, shamed, and humiliated. This was amassed by my sweets and lying. I began to steal from my parents. I got a high and a rush out of it. From the money that I was able to get from writing checks that I wrote for goods and cash back on my parents' account. Did I mention me and my dad had the same name, so it was easy that which I thought. Soon this would catch up to me, and my father had me arrested. He worked for the city we lived in and knew all the officers. He made a deal with them to send me to juvenile hall for one night to teach me a lesson. Did for a little bit. I had to pay the money back to my parents for the checks I wrote using on their bank account. When I was 21, my mom took me to the casino for my birthday. I thought, wow, this was fun. I tried drinking and drugs, but I didn't really like the effect it had on my body. But the casino, it had a big effect on my life. At first, it was just for fun, a place to go, but eventually it became my addiction. When California started selling lottery tickets, I started doing them too. I would lie, cheat, and steal from my family, my friends, to get the money for my fix, and even employers. I couldn't hold down jobs very long um, due to the late night casino trips. Sometimes I wouldn't even show up at all. And several years went on, and eventually I found a job and held it for 14 years until I had a work-related injury, which hurt my back. I found myself unemployed, but still searching for that fix for my gambling issues, which at the time I thought was just something to do, which was enjoyable and a stress reliever. Okay. But still, my life was a mess when I was not working. I started hanging out with one of my cousins and he hooked me up with his girlfriend's friend. I moved in with her until she developed cancer. I moved out because I couldn't handle it. The stress I felt was crazy. And then someone asked me how is it that your stress have you asked her how she is dealing with it? Eventually after living on the streets for six months, I decided to go back to her because I was feeling the guilt and the shame for leaving her. but found out from her family that she had passed away. My world was collapsing all around me. Two months prior to me going back, she was told she had stage four cancer. At that point, I became became very depressed And I just turned to gambling and became a full-fledged gambler. I would go to different casinos in California and Nevada. I would sign up for the free rewards they gave me and the free food, and then I gambled on everything. Many years flew by, and eventually I would meet a beautiful woman. We had a lot in common, and after a little while, we got married. She didn't know about my past life experiences or my gambling addiction. We did go to the casino once uh, with my mom, but we stayed the night um, in our room, and I was able to control my urges to gamble. I would felt fear, loneliness, and rejection if my wife knew I had a gambling and lying addiction. When we first got married, I was finishing online school and babysitted my stepdaughter. I got a sales job and wasn't making any money, hardly at all. So I turned to gambling. Eventually, I was losing more than I was making. So when I was supposed to be working, I was going to the casino looking for the easy money for my family. So my gambling started to get out of control, and all of a sudden, my world was crumbling around me. My wife knew nothing about my addiction. She was about to find out because I had maxed out her credit cards and took out personal loans to fuel my gambling addiction. I started eating more sugary foods, and my weight was going up really fast. I began to panic and hide the bank statements from my wife. I switched all the statements to online so only I had access to hide to them as I hit them and covered up my debt, stealing, and gambling. By the time my wife found out, we had to file bankruptcy, and she insisted I see a counselor. I ruined her credit. She had perfect. Luke 12:2 and 3. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Even going to church and seeing the counselor, I continued to gamble and lie. My addiction got worse until I was looking at going to jail for a dishonest thing I did at work. I told a lie to cover up a lie. I thought about suicide as a way to get out of troubles caused by my gambling and lying. I never told my wife or my family how I was feeling. I was living with so much pain and didn't know how I could tell anyone without being caught in my lies that were catching up to me really fast. We had been going to church all along, but it wasn't until my wife found out about my addictions that God ended up back in my life, for real, not just showing others I was in church. I had been going to see a counselor, but didn't tell her or my wife about my gambling or lying. When I got fired from a job and was facing jail for fraud, I had committed at work. My brother, who I turned to, helped me tell my wife about my gambling addiction. Basically, he forced me. When she found out, she threatened to leave me if I didn't go to a place called Celebrate Recovery. It's the turning point in my life right here. I showed up on a Tuesday night, it was November 21st, 2017. It was a day before my 52nd birthday. I haven't missed a night of CR yet. Even when my current employer sent me back east to our company home office for a one week's worth work trip. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do work which God has prepared in advance for us to do. I went back east to Walmart's home office, that's who I work for, because I signed up for a 21-day challenge to change the way I eat. That 21-day challenge ended up being a total now of 86 different 21-day challenges, doing them one day at a time, and one moment at a time. Thank you. Originally, I had lost 101 pounds in 11 months. There was a story written about me and about my weight loss journey. At that time, I weighed 387 pounds. I won my health back and got off a lot of medications. Fast forward to today, I've kept that weight off to this day. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. So whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. When I was gone, I couldn't find a meeting, so I, I watched a large group on my phone, and then I called a brother to check in and talk about the focus question for that night. Step one, I admitted I was powerless over my gambling, that my life had become unmanageable. That was the turning point in my life. Daily, I asked God for me. For help with me, with my character defects. My number one defect is shyness, which God loves me so much, He's helped me overcome it tonight. Amen. And each time that I go out to different CRs and get my testimony, it helps with that shyness. Psalms 42.8 eight but each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me. Through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life. This is how I live my life. I take it one day at a time now. I can't think ahead because it will mess up my life with the stress over the future. So I leave it all at God's feet. Finances everything. The past is what it is. It's the past. I don't stress or think about it. I live for the for the day I'm in, sometimes I live by the hour and sometimes the minute. For the new timers, just keep coming back. It works if you work it, because you're all worked it. Daily, I pray the Lord's Prayer uh, to God, to the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ, and I always end with the Serenity Prayer. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passes away, behold, the, the things have come. Because 1 John 1 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify, purify us of all of our unrighteousness. God's grace saved me, and in 2019 here at CR on a Tuesday night, I watched the old me away when i got re-baptized again and now of this i'm a child of god a new creation step three says we make a decision to turn our wills and our life over to the care of god And then Romans 12.1, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is my favorite step, my turning point to my recovery and my lifelong journey with God. The new me has completed four-step studies. Before coming to celebrate recovery, I had no true friends. All my life, I had female friends, but no male friends. Now in CR, I have brothers. I'm no longer alone. I have a great support group because we all know too well isolation is a a dangerous thing to have in one's life. I have several people who are my accountability partners um, from each of my step studies. I have an amazing sponsor who is there to support me on my recovery lifelong journey. Thank you, Scott. John 3, 21 in the Amplified Version says, but whoever practices truth and does what is right morally, ethically, and spiritually comes to the light so that his work may be plainly shown to be what they are accomplished in God, divinely promptly done with God's help and dependence on him. I was asked once by someone after a small group if I ever had a least likely step of the 12 steps. At first I said no. But then thought about it for a second, and I said, yes, I do. Which is step nine, because when I was giving my amends to the ones I had harmed, I couldn't give one amends because it was written for my father, who had passed away many, many, many years before I knew anything about celebrate recovery. So on June 7, 2020, I drove out to San Joaquin National Cemetery in Santa Nella, found my father's gravestone, stood there, and read my amends to my father. There I felt peace as I read my amends, and I felt calmer and so relaxed. I felt this heavy weight lift off my shoulders. All the regrets I had towards him was gone. And at the end, I said, I love you, Dad, and I can forgive you. Recovery to me, is not a quick fix. It's a lifelong journey, doing it one day at a time. It only works if you do it one day at a time and not look to the future. It's my favorite one here so far. I also have been working on other addictions. On July 5th, 2020, I quit smoking after 35 years. It's been two years, 13 months, and 28 days I've been clean from smoking. So just keep coming back because it's worth it, and it works. God has placed me in a wonderful church. My marriage is strong and wonderful, and my life has changed more than I can share with you all. God's kingdom is what I live for daily. Without God, I'm nothing. I was told by someone at church they see me become fisher of men. Because Matthew 4.19 says in the Living New, Test, New Living Translation says, Jesus called out to them, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I've been going to ministry school because I want to help people become a minister with my wife. And we have already had a great ministry helping other different children and in return, um, CR and churches in their lives too. To the newcomer, I just hope my story helps you in some way and the second timer and everybody else too. If God can deliver me from my addictions, He can deliver yours too. You made the first step by coming here tonight, so just keep coming back. There's no perfect people here. We all have addictions from one to many addictions. When I first came and sat there and heard the message for that night, I thought, wow, what messed up people. Is this really a place for me? I thought, yeah, I have some issues, but not not like that person. It wasn't until my first month at small group, I, first I went there, I just listened, I, I didn't participate. But after the first month in first group, that's where my healing really started to begin. I now have a life without guilt guilt and shame and it's because, all because of the people and the love of my father and the people here at CR. Every chance I get, I tell others about Celebrate Recovery and how it has changed my life for the good. It's a life-changing experience. Step 12, having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these prim- principles in all of our affairs. Today, I serve by giving back as one of the facilitators for my group and, ha- and have in the past co-facilitated step study with a couple of other brothers. I help with security here uh, once a month, and I'm also helping with your children um, and rock solid kids. Also for the past one and a half years, I have helped serve at my church as a greeter on Sunday mornings. I want to thank you again, Scott, for pushing me to complete my testimony to share with you all here tonight. I want to thank my wife for giving me that chance and seeing the good person I was and push me to come here to celebrate recovery. I don't know where I'd be at today if it wasn't for her. Thank you for letting me share.
1: Thank you, Bill. Let's give it up for him one more time. Thank you for being one of those faithful pillars around this place, Bill, for many years. So, so grateful for you and uh, the sharing of your story. Appreciate it. If If his testimony touched you in any way, make sure you go and say hi and thank him for sharing his story tonight. Just grateful for people that are willing to do so. Um, and before we get into the serenity prayer, I don't know if we have the topic question up there. I believe the topic question is different than what's on here, so I want to make sure we get to that. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some positive things which you can replace a character defect? Okay. So that is our question of the night. So facilitators, if you need, boom, right there. Uh, what are some positive things which you can replace a character defect? So... All right, Um, with that, would you stand in as you already are? (laughs) and, And would you say the serenity prayer with me? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right by surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. If you are a first-timer, we'd love to say hi to you. Introduce yourself. Go right through those doors. Second-timers, you don't know where to go. We'd love for you to go to the right place. Come on up here.